Good morning, Chapel family. How's everyone this morning? Good. Praise God. Ooh, we could have stayed in worship, I think, the rest of the morning. I know for me, um, it's going to take me a minute to just gather myself because I think I was in the third heaven there for a second. Um, man, it's just great to see you guys today. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you just, you're good looking. You're just good looking. You're just good looking. Uh, Pastor Bobby and Toya and the family are on vacation this morning, and uh, how dare them take some time to be together with the family. Uh, but no, listen, I know he's probably watching this morning, and I just want to go ahead and say I'm sorry that I, I pray I don't speak heresy today. Um, but uh, no, he's on his way back, and uh, we just want to continue to pray for them as they're on their way back from uh, a vacation and uh, thank God. How many of you appreciate your pastor this morning? I'll tell you, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity now for a year and a half. It's about, about 18 months now being a part of the staff of this church. Let me say something about Pastor Bobby. And I'm not, I'm not brown nosing right now. This is just genuine, um, genuine heart for Pastor Bobby. Pastor Bobby loves you. He genuinely loves you. And he wants what's best for your life. He wants to disciple you. He wants to, to just be there for you. And he and Pastor Toya are just, they're genuine people. They genuinely love you. And I, 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 am, I am honored to be a part of the staff here, to be a part of this church. And to just serve alongside them as they lead us in our community. Uh, but I'm just excited to be able to serve alongside you because you realize that we get to do this thing together, right? We get to reach into our community together. We get to minister to people together because we're a family. That's why we, every morning, uh, Sunday morning, we, we make mention, hello, chapel family, because we are family. We, we get to do this thing together. And so I just wanted to give honor to Pastor Bobby and Toya and, and just thank them for their leadership. I have not ever met a man who can just dissect the word like he does. And um, it has just been a privilege to send a, sit under his teaching and his leadership. And uh, hey, will you do this real quick? Will you grab your Bibles real quick? We're going to be diving into Scripture this morning, diving into the Word. And come on, take your Bibles, hold them up, say, I am what his Word says I am. I can do what his Word says I can do. I can be what his Word says I can be. Now today, I will hear his word. I will receive his word because I love his word. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Now, we are going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount, but I wanted you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11 because there's a passage of scripture that we're going to be diving into today that I think is, uh, it's funny how, how Jesus ends up going and repeating this message over again. How many have heard the sermon, a sermon more than once? You know what I'm talking about? So don't get, don't get mad at your pastor if you hear the sermon a second time. Because the point is, you didn't get it the first time, right? So in Matthew chapter 7, on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he actually says this. I'll go ahead and read that. You don't have to turn there, but I'll go ahead and read it. In act, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks for him, ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now then, in, over in Luke chapter 11, he ends up repeating this because the disciples are, are asking him a question. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples and said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day your daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And then he shifts gears right here. And he says this. Which of you has a friend? Will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing set to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. I mean, just think about that for just a second. You're showing up at a friend's house at midnight. You're knocking on the door. Hey, I, I need some bread. I mean, how many of us would have probably done the same thing this guy would have done? Are you absolutely insane? Are you crazy? It's midnight. And you want what? Three loaves of bread? He said, yes, I want three loaves of bread. He says, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impundence or his persistence. And some translations say shameless persistence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask. And this is where he starts to repeat himself. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened what father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him. I want to pray right now. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have together just to hear the word of the Lord. And it's my prayer that in this room today, Father, that you would be the one who is glorified. God, as worship just took place just a few moments ago, and we just stood in awe of the name of Jesus and realized, Father, that, that you are God and that we love you, we honor you. And I just pray that in, in this message today, God, that Holy Spirit, you would have your way. You would speak what needs to be spoken. 
and it would plant in good ground today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Have you ever been just extremely unprepared before? I don't know about you, I, I have found myself in situations where I'm just really unprepared for what I'm about to do or what I'm about to be involved in. I, I will never forget when I first decided to change the oil of my car. And I was a, a young guy who, I mean, my, I'd helped my dad before in the past, but my dad had the right stuff, right? It just, you know, dad's just got the right stuff. And, I, and I, I didn't have what I needed, but I thought, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going somewhere and paying that kind of money for somebody else to change my oil when I can do it myself. Have you ever been there before? So I, come on, I hear that. Um, so I decided I'm going to do it myself. So I, I, I get out of the garage and I, I don't have any of the, I just get up under the car like, what am I supposed to do? Like, uh, there, I think I have a wrench I'm supposed to, so I, I find where the, the plug is and I start to work on that. And, and, you know, it's never easy to do any of that, right? It's just a lot harder than it looks to, to start to work that. And, but then I, I don't have the right tool. So I end up using the, the metric rather than the actual, you know, tool that I'm supposed to be using. I use the wrong size and, and I end up stripping the nut and all, you know, all that crazy stuff because I didn't have the things I needed and I was unprepared. And then I, I put the, the drip pan up under the, the oil thing and it's supposed to, you know, the oil supposed to come down into it. And, and I just found like some plastic in the house, like a plastic bowl, like just whatever I could use to put up under there. And, and the next thing I know it's pouring out and it starts to fill up and I'm like, Oh no, it's too much. And so then I try to hurry up and get out from under the car and I bump it and I knock it over and it's all in the garage and oil is everywhere. That's what I'm talking about, being unprepared. Anybody been there before, right? Maybe not like that, but I mean, you've, you've been in an unprepared situation before. And, and maybe, maybe it's not changing the oil or, or trying to work on the car. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe, maybe somebody shows up at your house and you're just not ready. Like any, any women in the house, any moms in the house, wives in the house know what I'm talking about. You, you, your husband decides just to bring a friend over. Well, to, to, to us, it's not that big a deal. It's just a friend. Like, I mean, they're coming over to the house. What do you mean they're coming over to the house? I mean, I don't have anything ready. I mean, look, the clothes aren't done. The, the lawn, you know, this is not done. That's not clean. This is not done. We don't have anything in the house like to eat or anything. And you just decide you're going to bring a friend over. What's wrong with you? You been there? Well, I mean, to us, it's not a big deal. Just like, come hang out. We're going to watch a football game, right? But for them, it's, they're, they're unprepared. We're not ready to have exactly what we need. And, and in this story, you find that sometimes I think we're unprepared for what, what's about to happen. We're unprepared about someone showing up at our door at night, knocking, saying they have need. I'm going to be honest with you. If I can just be real vulnerable just for a moment. I studied this this past week. And I am, I am convicted in my own soul. I'm, I'm not praying like I should. And I'm just being very transparent, very honest with you. And I think as a, and I, I don't think I'm alone. I think we as a church have drifted away from what prayer really is. We've, we've made it about us rather than about him. We've made prayer more about 
what we can get from him rather than choosing to be with him. See, prayer is prayer should be relational before it ever becomes need based. And what we've done is we've allowed the need to over over take over the actual purpose of prayer. That is to be with him and commune with him. And we always want to bring our petitions to the, I'm not, I'm not against bringing petitions to the Lord. We are to do that. God teaches us to do that. But somehow we've twisted this thing around where it's all about us and getting glory for us. We want something from God, but we don't want to choose to be with God. And I'm finding, I'm finding as I'm, I'm digging into scripture and starting to read and to study and, and to realize I pray, listen, I, I, I pray, I seek the Lord, I worship, but I, I have found myself through the years drifting away from the true purpose of prayer, and that is to commune with him. It's to be in union with him. You know, I, I love this because there's something that was very interesting about Luke chapter 11. You see, Jesus he made prayer priority. He made prayer priority over everything else that he would ever do. He would pray before he even entered into his ministry. What did he, he went into the wilderness for 40 days and prayed and sought the Lord and fasted before he ever ministered. He sought prayer first. He sought communion with his father first. He would, throughout scripture, you would find that where he would withdraw himself he would pull himself away and pray and seek the Lord and seek the Father and the will of the Father. Before he would perform miracles, he would pray and seek the Father. Anybody here see the pattern here? Anything that he ever did was about first praying. He would not only, feeding the 5,000, he prayed, blessed the bread and broke it and then it fed 5,000 and then right after that, he ends up, Pulling away and praying again. How many of us pray for the need, but how many of us actually pray after we've received the need? You see, prayer should be lifestyle. Prayer should be what we do in our daily life. Even after we've received the blessing from God, we continue to pray. You don't stop praying. You don't stop asking. You don't stop seeking. You don't stop knocking. You continue to pray and to seek the Lord. But for some reason in our selfish mindset, and I'm just being honest, we have found ourselves once we've received something, oh, we're good now. We don't have to talk to him anymore. And see, that's the whole point of this, this parable. Is that when we ask for something and we seek for something and we knock for something, what we're doing is that we're actually putting ourselves in a place of effort to get close to God. That's why he's asking us to do this, is to, to draw close, draw closer to him, be closer to him. You see, prayer is essential in the life of every believer. It is essential it is not something we just do on Sunday morning. It is not something that we do when we go to bed at night and pray a quick prayer. It is not something that we choose to do at a devotion time and say, that's it. I've done my part. Now I can go about my day. Pray without ceasing is what he tells us to do. 
Pray continually. What does that look like? That means everything that I do, every step that I take, every, every decision I make has to be filtered and, and, and coupled with prayer. It has to be a part of our life. It has to be a part of our passion. I want to be close to God. I want to be with him. I want to, to pray and commune with him. And I want to communicate with my father. I want to get to know him. Know his heartbeat. You know, that's what Paul said. Paul said this. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and also in the fellowship of his sufferings. What does that mean? Well, basically what that means, I want to know what brings him joy and I want to know what brings him sorrow. I want to know all about him. I want to be a part of his life. I want him to be a part of my life. And I think we've found ourselves drifting away from that idea more to, I'm only going to pray when I have need of him. And God's going, I want to be with you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be intimate with you. You see, there was something about this in Luke chapter 11 at the very beginning. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, then one of the disciples said to him, You see, the disciples were watching him. They were watching him pray. They were very intrigued about his prayer life. It was something they have never seen before and experienced before. Listen, they have watched the the Pharisees and and, and, and all the others praying in the the temple. They've seen all these things happen where people pray, but they've never seen anything like his prayer life. What was so intriguing about Jesus and his prayer life? What was, what was so captivating about Jesus' prayer life? It had to be his intimacy. It had to be his, his ability to draw close to the Father and hear, hear his heart, hear his heartbeat. Want to be closer to him. It had to be intimacy. Prayer should be relationship-based before it becomes need-based. And here's the thing. If you become relationship-based in your prayer, you're going to find a father who loves you. You're going to find a father who cares. You're going to find a father who delights in giving you the desires of your heart. You're going to find a father who will go to bat for you. You're going to find a father who will go to extremes to give you the things that you need. I know for me and my children. Now, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm the baby of the family. And so I'm sure that my sister and my brother had to fight for a lot more than I did because I pretty much got what I wanted. Um, all I had to do was just smile because I was the baby, right? Right? You just got what you needed. You, all you had to do is smile and maybe just say, please. That didn't always work with the older kids. There was this whining and temper tantrums. And have you ever had, I, let me just say this about kids. You know, they're all different. How many can agree to that? Every one of them different. I wish they were, I wish there was just one stamp out thing of a kid. Like, I know how to raise this this kid and every kid's the same. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just, I know, and I have a, I have a blueprint. I have a way I have, you know, uh, you know, know exactly all the directions on how to train this kid, but 
there's another kid that shows up and you got to train them different, right? And, and our oldest, my oldest, and she's not here, but it was, whew, she was a guinea pig, number one, because it was our first and we just, wow, if I could have just done it different, things would have been a lot better, <laughs> right? She's turned out great, praise God, she loves Jesus, and, that's, whew, and that was the grace of God, really. But then the other kids come along, but, you know, they, they, some of them throw temper tantrums, and they just, uh, have you ever seen those kids in, the, in Walmart just flailing on the floor and just kicking and screaming, and, and you're sitting there, and you're walking by, and if that was my kid, I'm just saying, what's my kid? You know, I'll take care of that, you know. But then you have kids, and you're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? But my, my, my son was funny about him throwing temper tantrums, he would, he, he didn't kick and scream. He would just look at you and then just, and he would just lay on the floor and you're like, get up. And he's like, you know, you're having to drag him up, pick him up by his leg. Come on, get up, get up, get up. That was his temper tantrum. He still throws those today. No, I'm just kidding. But kids are different. But I tell you this about my children. If they need something, all they have to do is ask. Now, I may not give it to them right now. But I promise you, I will give them the things that they need. When they need it. At the proper time. At the proper place. At the proper age. You see, maturity is a part of prayer too. You see, and this is how God lays it out. He then tells them, he says, well, first of all, he said, the disciple to teach us to pray. And let me just insert this real quick. There's, I think that's twofold. Teach us to pray was not only teach us how to pray, but teach us to have the will to pray. I'm going to say that again. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's only teach us how to pray. But I think it's teach us to have the will to pray. Because what happens is the disciples saw Jesus praying intimately. And they were like, this is so foreign to what we've seen before. I want, I want that. But I don't have the will. I don't have the desire to get me there. You see, church, we need a church that has the will to pray. We need a church that has the desire to want to pray. And to seek the, we have to have a prayer life. I'm not talking about this patty cake prayer life. I'm talking about prayer life, getting on your knees, getting on your face and seeking the Lord and crying out to him for his will to be done. And I think, I think the disciples were drawn to him because of his intimacy, and they were like, teach us to pray. Not just, yes, there's a pattern. I realize that. I know there's ways to approach the, I get all that, but I, I want the desire to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, and let that be my priority. Let that be my prayer. I just want to be with you today, Jesus. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to walk with you. I want you to lead and to guide me, Holy Spirit. And the only way I can do that is to being with you, to pray, to seek your face, to long to be in your presence.
He was asking them, or he was asking, would you teach us to pray? So what Jesus did is he said, okay, I'm going to give you this outline. I'm going to give you this, this prayer. First of all, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Well, Father, your name is holy. You're, you're holy, and I want that to be a part of my, I want to worship you in holiness. But then he says this, let your kingdom come. I think many of our prayers is about our kingdom coming rather than his kingdom coming. And what he's trying to do is give them a pattern. This has got to be the focus of your life. If you can get this, you can understand the rest of the parable. But first of all, I'm going to share this with you. You've got to make this priority. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. In other words, provision and forgiveness. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So he gave them this form prayer, but then he shift gears. He would shift the gear right here. He's like, okay, so this is, this is the way you, you need to live your life. This is the lifestyle that I want you to live. I want you to wake up in the morning, if you will, or for a night or whatever time you choose to be with the Lord. But I want it to be something that is daily done. And I want this to be the pattern. But then he shifts gears and says, there's a there's, there's another type of prayer. And then he said to them, which of you have a friend who would go to him at midnight? And then he would say this. He would go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. A friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. You know, I find it interesting at the timing that this happened is at midnight. He shows up at midnight. Why didn't Jesus use a parable and say, hey, you have a friend that shows up sometime during the day? And but no, he uses this specifically at midnight because, you know, midnight is a very inconvenient time. I mean, I don't I know some of you probably are not owls, but still midnight is just not it's not. It's just not right for somebody to show up at midnight and say, hey, I have a friend. I got a friend that just showed up at my house and. Uh, I'm not prepared to feed him. You see, there's where the preparation comes in. How prepared are we? Are we going to be daily communing with the Lord so that we have the bread of life to be able to give to someone else when they show up in the midnight hour? Because I'm telling you, church, there's going to be needs that are knocking at your door at midnight. There's going to be needs that are knocking at your door at that last minute hour. Have you ever been in that place where you've been desperate in prayer? You've been in that place of desperation in prayer and you're thinking, okay, I, I've done all I know to do. I've called Meemaw. I've called Pawpaw. I've called this person. I've, I've even posted on Facebook that I need prayer. I've done everything I know to do, but I still need prayer. I'm at my wit's end. I'm, I don't have anything less left to give. I'm at my wit's end. That's the midnight hour prayer, right? And you're, you're desperate. I, I got to have an answer. I got to have an answer to this need. 
my friend has shown up and he's knocked and now I'm going to my neighbor and I'm having to knock because I, I have a friend in need. You see, this person that, that Jesus is referring to here is a person in between. He's, he's, he's in between this one friend that has need, but then he goes to this other friend who's selfish. And he finds himself in this, what I would call, intercession. I am going to do whatever I have to do to provide for the need of this person that's shown up at my home. I'm in this place of, of toiling between the two in intercession. My, my question to you is, what will you do in the midnight hour when needs come? How will you respond? Will you respond like Paul and Silas did in the jail? In the middle of a jail cell, in the midst of prison, it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to sing hymns and praise to the Lord. They didn't find themselves at midnight going, I don't I have nothing left. I have nothing left to do. I can't do anything else. What they found themselves doing is coming into agreement with the will of the Father, coming into agreement with his promises. They began to sing praises and hymns to the Lord. They came into agreement. Anybody hear what I'm talking about? So in that agreement, what happened? In that agreement with the word of God, what happened? The chains began to break and they were set free. And not only were they set free, salvation came to the prison. And those around them were set free. Anybody hearing me this morning? What will you do in the midnight hour? Will you be like the, the, the story of the ten virgins? Will you be the part of the five virgins who have got their oil ready in their lamp, ready for the bridegroom. Will you be ready? Will you be ready in the midnight hour to respond the proper way? And what Jesus is teaching us in this is that there's going to come a time when you're in your midnight hour and you need an answer. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do this. I want you to go and ask I want you to go seek. I want you to go knock. Now, a lot of us would think, okay, this is, this is annoying, right? Especially at midnight. I'm trying to sleep, right? But see, what God looks at is that are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to take the steps necessary are you willing to place forth the effort to be close to me? You see, knocking isn't nagging. That's not what that is. Man, my knuckles hurt, actually. Knocking isn't nagging. Knocking is saying, hey, can I have permission to come in? Can I have permission to come in and access everything you have? For me. Church, I don't think we're doing enough knocking. I don't think we're being persistent enough in our prayer time. Church, we have to have God in our nation. And not just our nation.
we have to have God in our home. You want, you want answers to the prayers? It's time to start knocking. It's time to start seeking the Lord and asking him. See, we, we have not because we ask not. Well, why aren't we asking the Lord? Here's why I think we're not asking the Lord. I'm just going, man, I, I'm sorry for you guys in the back. My notes, I have no idea where I'm at. Here's why I think we're not asking it's because we're not in this. How can I go and ask if I don't know his will already? Here, here's the, where the will of the Father is. You see, there's an abiding principle. Abide in me and let my what words abide in you. And you ask whatever you need, and I'll give it to you. The reason we're not asking is because we're not abiding. We're not abiding in his word. We're not embodying in what he's already said. So why would I, I don't want to ask amiss, right? I don't want to ask for things. I'm, you know, here's the thing. It's, it's almost embarrassing to go and ask for something when you, if I, if, if I showed up, Anthony, okay, I'm going to go and ask you now. Listen, it's a sincere ask. It's a big ask. Sincerely, though, I'm going to ask you. I need a million dollars. You see, the point is, if that was a real sincere ask, it was somewhat embarrassing knowing that he doesn't have the answer. And I really don't. Maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he does have a million dollars. Lisa, does he have a million dollars? Maybe he does. But when I'm unsure, I'm a little bit timid about going to ask. But here's what happens when I abide. I become more confident and sure about what I'm asking for. I become a little more confident because now that I'm asking, I'm asking knowing there's something behind that door. There's a promise behind that door that I'm going to continue to persist in prayer over. There's a promise back there. And I know, I know you've got bread behind that door. I know that there's a need that can be supplied behind that door. I know there's healing behind that door. I know, I know because you promised it right here. I know it is. I'm confident, I'm fully persuaded that there's answers to my prayer behind that door. That's why I'm going to stay here and knock. You see, in this story, it wasn't because of friendship's sake. It was because of this. It was because of persistence. It was because of my shameless persistence. I don't care what anybody else thinks about being up in the middle of the night, going to my neighbor's house and knocking on the door. If I need it, I want it. And I'm going to come into agreement with the will of the Father for my life. You know, there's, man, I am so far off. <laughs> Praise God, where am I at? <sighs> okay, um, prayer is spiritual conditioning. Prayer is a spiritual conditioning. You know, I know most of us, if we went to our neighbor's house and we knocked for just a minute 
And they said, hey, you know what? Won't you just come back tomorrow? And we would probably go, yeah, you're probably right. Probably should. I shouldn't even be here at midnight. Most of us would do that. But see, what happens when we pray and we're knocking and we continue to knock, what God is doing inside of us. You see, like I said earlier, I'm going to give my kids what they need when they need it at the proper time and the proper maturity. So what happens on the other side of the door while I'm knocking, God is allowing me to go through a spiritual conditioning to condition my soul for what he's about to give me. He's conditioning my soul. He's preparing my heart for what he's about to give me. If you just keep knocking, I know that there's a maturity that's that's taking place in you. Guess what's being developed? One of the fruits of the Spirit, and that's patience. I'm just going to, I'm not just going to sit back and leave and hopefully one day, no, I'm going to continue to persist in this prayer, knowing that God is conditioning my soul. He's preparing me. He's maturing me. And in the proper time, he's going to give me the things that I need when I need them. But the key to this whole story is that will you put forth the effort to continue to ask so that God will give you. He wants, listen, he delights. He wants to give you those things. He wants to give you the things that will help secure you and grow you and give you healing and give you deliverance. He wants to give you those things. But will you be willing to sit at the door and knock and say, I know, God, there's a promise on the other side of the door. And at the proper time, you're going to give me the things that I need. I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm telling you, it is part of what this whole story is about. It's a continuance. It's not letting up. It's not giving up. You see, it's almost, it's a spiritual conditioning, almost like sports conditioning, right? A lot of us have played sports. Some of us have played sports, and there was a season where we had to go to the, to the, to the weight room and condition our bodies ready to, to take on what was about to take place. I, I remember when I was in high school, I went to Deschler High School. Any Tigers in the house this morning? Praise God. Whoop, whoop. Um, I went to Deschler, and as, as an athlete, we would go down to Spring Park, and there was a hill that we had to run up and down all the time, and I, I'll never forget, and then we'd have to run back to the school. But there was a conditioning that took place so that we would be ready for the game. You see, it's, it's almost that way in prayer. God wants us to be continual in prayer so that he's conditioning our soul for what's about to happen, what's about to take place. We, we need to stop being reactive in prayer and start being proactive in our prayer so that we're ready and ready to, to take on whatever the day holds moving forward. He wants to condition our soul. James chapter 4, verse 3, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong and you only want what gives you pleasure. You see, that's one of the, that's one of the, the conditionings. If you're knocking, you find out real quick, just like my knuckles started hurting, right? 
after a while, I start to realize that what is behind that door really what I need or is it really what God wants to give me? Like, you, you, you follow me? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Because the, the, here's the thing is that it becomes, we've become selfish in our prayers. We only want what gives us pleasure rather than what gives God pleasure. We only want the, the, the things to make us happy rather than to make him happy. He wants to condition us. Amen? I want to ask the, the, the worship team to come up because I wanted us to, to walk out today with, a, with another song. I, I mean, the, the presence of God was so thick in here earlier. And I don't want us to lose sight of what he's trying to do in this day. One of the things that I think this story tries to tell us is that when we pray, we're to pray persistently and boldly without giving up, even when we may not see immediate results. I think a lot of us, because we live in a society today where you can drive up just right out here to McDonald's and within, I don't know, depends on what day you're here, but you can drive through McDonald's drive-through and within, what, two or three minutes, you have a complete meal in your lap. Just that quick. And that, that's, that's the society we live in. We have the ability to get on our cell phones and connect with the other side of the world within seconds because that's the day we live in. You see, we've, we've drifted away from this idea, this idea of seeking, asking, and knocking because everything has become so convenient to us that we don't need to try to work hard at anything, that we can just sit back and get the things that we want. But what God is wanting to teach us in this is that when you continue to ask boldly, even though you don't see the results immediately, will you continue to come to me and ask things according to my will? You see, according to my will is very important. Because if we're not coupling our prayers with Holy Spirit and listening to Him in our prayers, then we're going to pray things that are selfish, selfishly motivated. Because that's the society we live in. We have to change this thing. We have to turn this thing around. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking about, and I mentioned Pastor Bobby earlier this morning, but I was thinking about, and his testimony and a lot of you have heard his testimony but just of the season he walked out and and the the idea that he he had no regard towards any type of of christendom at all an atheist but I was thinking about this story just about how he came to know Christ and it wasn't because of some beautiful, eloquent speech that he heard one day <laughs> that thought, wow, that's it. That's what, that's what took him there. That, that's what shifted everything. It wasn't a, even a, a, a beautiful worship song that took him there. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't any of those things. 
But when you hear the story, you understand this. There was a woman, actually a woman and a spiritual mom, Toya, and Bobby's spiritual mom that was sitting, knocking in prayer. Some of you have some lost loved ones and you've been praying. Listen, I'm here to tell you, if you don't walk out with anything else today, I'm here to tell you, do not give up. Because the consistency, the persistency, the shameless persistence of knocking, there will be a door that will open on the other side. And that door, when it opens, behind that door is forgiveness. Behind that door is restoration. Behind that door is salvation. Behind that door is healing. Behind that door is deliverance. The key is will you choose to ask? Will you choose to seek? Will you put forth the effort to contend with the Lord in a promise according to his word and his will that your loved one will come to know Christ? Will you contend? Will you press in? That's what you heard that term before in the church. We need to keep pressing in. This is what this is about. We're not going to let up. We're going to continue to seek him. We're going to continue to ask him. We're going to continue to knock because we know on the other side there's a promise of deliverance.